Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I'm real excited because this is, I don't know when this is going to release, but this is the first episode of recording of turkey season, and it's with one of my favorite turkey callers, Mr. Scott Ellis. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yeah, you've been on a couple times now. It's always been a pleasure. So yeah, I'm glad to do it for you. It's yeah. a lot of fun talking turkeys and sharing the information with the masses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
All right, Mr. Uh, Ginger Bow Hunter, how are you? <laughs> oh, dude, I'm doing awesome. It's kind of it's weird because our deer season's so late, and literally a week and a half later after our deer season, we're already thinking turkeys because turkeys. Oh yeah, that's I a mean, quick transition. It, yeah. it, it is. Because see, in Florida, one of my last hunts is around Thanksgiving, and I, deer just kind of leave my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then December, you know, I'm looking at two months from turkey season. Yeah, yeah, right. And then the Christmas, then the New Year rolls in. We start releasing new products with mm-hmm. Woodhaven. And oh, it's yeah. full bore turkey mode. Yes. Right into the convention right here in February. One, exactly one week ago, I was deer hunting. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I You're almost killed a buck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I thought. And yeah. I almost killed a buck and a doe. <laughs> Dang. Well, again, almost isn't Alm- Yeah, almost doesn't eat very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. So it's like, yeah, I've, I've almost killed a few birds in the last few years. Yeah, so. man. I'm getting closer. Yeah, so. we're, we're I was so close, that. I could practically hear them frying up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hear that backstrap frying. <laughs> Awesome. So, so the main focus of today, um, like I said, Scott, we've had you on a few times. We talked, I think, in the past, we talked about a really like calling heavy episode, which we'll talk about calling today, since you are a Grand National Calling Championship. Which, what did you just win yesterday? Just won the Owl Hooting 2020, baby. Yeah, yes, my first sir. Uh, won the U.S. Open Owl in 15, so that was like kind of my first major. But this was the big one to win this one, and it's uh, I just enjoy barred owls, and it's fun, and yeah. it's a great way to get a bird to gobble, especially. On my app, which we'll mention later, there's a new uh, update that has locators with crow and owl. Yeah. And there's other levels of locating calls that you can do to actually get a bird to gobble. We can go into that later, but not just who cooks for you, who cooks for you all. You can throw laughs and screams and locator one-note sequences in there, and it'll get one to gobble, almost like provoking him when you're cutting yelp real hard, as opposed to just soft yelping. He's not going to gobble. You cut real hard to gobble. So Yeah. We'll get into that later, sorry. <laughs> no, I get off on tangents so bad. Dude, tangents are good for podcasts. They can be. They, they can be. They can be, as long as, long as there's some, some meat to it. But, yeah, that must be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but I am Mr. Tangent. I'm, telling you, I'm just telling you guys. No, Well, I'm excited to kind of talk about Osceola uh, turkeys. I know that's something that me and Andrew have talked about trying to make that trip. Uh, I attempted to do that last year. Or was it last year or two years ago? It was two years ago. Two years ago. And uh, it was trying to work it in between a, a work conference I had down there, and it it lasted for all about 45 minutes before I had to leave to get to a conference that uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. was canceled and then uh, was reinstated. Um, mm. But that whole atmosphere, especially like South Florida, we're talking like deep South Florida, is <clears throat> is for even a Southerner going down there, it's so different from anything I think anyone's ever seen before. Um, I, again, I've never hunted like the swamps of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something that's a little more kind of similar, similar to it. Yeah, but like probably. a guy coming from, you know, mid-south, you know, Alabama, hardwoods. Tennessee. It's Rolling deep. hills and hardwoods kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just, it's yep. not even in the same ballpark. It's very, has a mystique kind of attached to it. And then, you know, there's a lot of guys doing these uh, shows on YouTube and the Mossio Go app, uh, Dave Owens one dimension that goes down there every year and that stuff dave does is only for men and i know boys going in those swamps like <laughs> i give him all the credit in the world this guy's not doing what he does to go kill a daggone turkey and i like to kill turkeys better than anybody but dave wading through that water yep. at three in the morning dude you know what kind of animals besides skunk apes which is our version of bigfoot those are down there <laughs> and the gators and anacondas and yep. not anacondas they're pythons yep. lots of pythons down there. so i mean Anyway, I, I have a lot of respect for him, but it there. But just getting into places that are drier are still awesome. Your cypress heads, your ponds, your dried up ponds, um, your live oak hammocks, cabbage palm hammocks. There's a there's a very diverse type of of uh, terrain down there, and oh, yeah. people are really starting. I get no less than a hundred messages between mm-hmm. around Christmas until right around now that are asking, "Have you hunted Big Cypress, Corbett, Everglades, any of those places?" And I actually have not. I, I've hunted around Punta Gorda and Immokalee mm-hmm. and Arcadia. For the South Zone stuff, I haven't gone way, way, way down. Uh, Punta Gorda is probably about the furthest south that I've gone. But, um, 
Yeah, like you said, there's like a mystique attached to it. And I think there's been a, a lot of uh, uh, interest created with this, these shows showing and showcasing it. And some probably just sit back and shake their hand and go, I'm not even don't care. I want to walk on a little bit of dry ground. But um, we'll see how it unfolds for Dave and them when they go down there this year. So, <laughs> Man, watching uh, – we, we were talking to Dave last year, and he was talking about, like, wearing Crocs and light yeah. pants and walking through knee-deep water. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> see, I get. I mean, you either wear hip waders or that. That's yeah. about your only choices. And then he just lets his feet dry out as he, go, as he goes. But Yeah, that's, anyway. that's pretty crazy. Yeah. But So one of the biggest challenges uh, was going down south to hunt Osceola's, which I haven't done yet, but I've looked into it for, like, four years in a row and just haven't been able to make it happen. One of the biggest challenges is looking at a map and knowing what you're looking at. Um, do you have any map scouting advice right off the bat, which we're going to tear this apart a little bit and find talk about finding the right habitat for them. Mm-hmm. But how do you differentiate stuff on a map? I mean, is there um, any good way to do it? Or do you I want to say cypress heads or dots. I, I haven't honestly would be lying if I said I've studied a bunch of aerial stuff for down there. I mean, I've yeah. looked at it. Dots and or little pods of cypress heads. Obviously, you can see open terrain. Um, live oak hammocks are going to be little bubbles, yeah. you know, because the big, big grandfather live oaks that are this big around, they're real rounded. Um, outside of that, open areas and water, lots of creeks, and you know, um, of course, you never know what the water's going to be down there. That's something mm-hmm. you could look at a, a, a Google image from a year ago and it's flooded and now this year we didn't get as much rain during the winter and the spring so it's dry so year to year it shifts and changes so oh, yeah. you don't know what you're exactly looking at and that could be a challenge itself because you look on a map and it looks dry you get there and it's flooded and yeah. that's something that we deal with that's all over the state even we're in central zone in, in north northern florida mm-hmm. all through the out the peninsular florida excuse me is where you'll find different water levels and it's always a challenge so yeah it's uh water i don't like water <laughs> <laughs> i uh yeah it's just I don't like getting my feet wet, so there's that. But do a lot of rubber boot hunting. Most of the places, if it's over my rubber boots, we're going to back out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, well, well I was going to say, so I went down there, and I was in, a, it was 2016, um, and, I'm sorry, it was 2017 season, uh, 2017, 2018, and it was dry. Maybe it was 2018. I get all my years mixed up. I think it was 2018. But going down there, one thing that threw me off, and I was hunting Big Cypress, is – I th- what I thought was high ground was low ground, and what I thought was low ground was high ground. Mm-hmm. As in, you're looking at, you're seeing all this grass and stuff, and I'm like, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, this is like solid grass. This is gonna right. be like all the water. And then where I'm seeing all the trees are at, I'm like, okay, that might be cypress, but that might be an oak hammock because that's what I was thinking. I get down there, it's all like this little cypress heads and just like these little ponds and stuff. And the high ground was all the grass, and uh, it threw me off. So I almost would say, like, if you're looking at the map, man, just throw that out the window. <laughs> I- I'm telling you, you got to get boots on the ground. Yeah. Um, and see it and feel it and, and just cover some ground and do some walking, riding a bike. Oh, I don't yeah. know what the laws read on the WMAs for these new electric bikes, but they seem to be pretty productive. Because the road system is actually, if I remember correctly, is built up enough where a lot of the roads that are traversable through vehicle are they're high, they're, they're shell roads and they're higher, so they don't flood generally. And there's ditches, lots of ditches yeah. that are working through those management areas. So you can cover ground. You got to spend. I would say if a guy's going to go down to South Florida and jump on that animal, he would need to go scout for three or four days before he just. Well, let's just drive in here and go kill us a turkey, and yeah, and we can get into how to find them. What you were talking about down there, and um, it's a, uh, it's going to be um, trying to find landlocked birds. I think that's what a lot of people do down there, and that it could consist of. Mm-hmm. Walking through water like some people that, that we talked Dave doing. And then I think the Everglades, you can actually ride buggies. 
it's yeah. legal to take a swamp buggy, but I mean, not like you're going to run down to Lowe's and buy you a swamp buggy <laughs> to come down to Florida, and you know, and, and but you can register your your uh, SUV or RUV or whatever you would kind of call a swamp buggy. You can register it in the state, and um, you can get in there. I, I had some guys that I almost got in a group with about a decade ago, very secretive, little tight knit group, and those guys have have managed to find that high ground. And it's like a two-hour ride through water to find this one landlocked area, and it's holding birds. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not like I can give you a point on a map, but yeah. but the, but the other ones you cannot do that. I think uh, Corbett and, and uh, Big Cypress you cannot yeah. use that, but you can in the Everglades, and that's what those guys do. And there's birds there, but I mean, it's just a it's just to find them is going to be, and they will wade the water. Turkeys will wade in water in Florida when they become accustomed to living in that. That's nothing to them oh, to yeah. go walking through water and just and come calling and gobbling right in. So, um, you know, it's – I think they, they're going to be roosting over water at any point when they're in that type of situation. So that's something that you don't look for in the Everglades or down south because there's going to be water everywhere generally. Yeah. Like in the south, we'll find birds in pockets in the, in the north of Florida, in mm-hmm. Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, any place I've ever found a creek or a, or a cypress head mm-hmm. or a swamp, they love roosting over that water. I think it's a protection thing where they hear stuff walking in the water, and I think they just feel safer for some reason. Down there, it doesn't matter is what I'm getting at. So trying to find roosting areas – an Osceola turkey will roost wherever he gets takes the notion to fly up that day. It's yeah. I found over 30 years of hunting them, and again, not exclusively down there, but they're just very random in where they roost. They they make their cycles, their patterns, they wander. Um, there's food everywhere, so if they're following hens, which they do in the spring, there's food everywhere in Florida. Like where you go a little, the more north you go, the more that you can pattern them based on where those hens are feeding and those gobblers are following. Down there, there's food. There's grasshoppers and bugs and green shoots and sprouts everywhere. Yeah. So there's never a food source to really key on unless there's any mass left and you find one of those oak hammocks. There, yeah. Sometimes there'll be acorns still left from the from the winter, from the fall. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a it's a tough thing to do. It's a, There is definitely an art form to it, but it's not, there's not a, a, a textbook it's not as textbook as if you get in the ground that's much drier. I've had a uh, – we had a guy on last year <clears throat> who listened to the podcast and also had him on the short report, and uh, he was talking about hunting deep south Florida, and he's kind of newer to it. But he one of the birds he killed last year, he was had to use a tree seat to get up out of the water because the water was like six inches of water, and he shot his bird walking through six inches of water mm-hmm. coming towards him. Absolutely. And he said it didn't even bother him. No. Like, didn't no. even bother the turkey. None at all. That's what they live in. That's what they have to do. So – you know, that's what we were talking about with Dave Owens is, I mean, that's what they're doing in some of those birds. He, I think I saw one, he killed one on a show where he uh, was walking through water, came right through in water. So it's just something they they encounter, they live in it, it's part of their world, so they don't they don't fret it. It's not like you're in, – in most other places, you have a big pond in front of you. You know, I, I, I shot a – well, my son Jake missed a bird in Virginia a couple of seasons back. We were up there. And the bird had to come around the pond. He didn't walk through the pond or swim across the pond because <laughs> he doesn't have to. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when it comes down to South Florida, it's just a part of their normal, their normal everyday deal procedure. Yeah. 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 I bet a lot of those birds get whacked by gators. <laughs> I would think. I'm sure the daggone pythons are getting their fair share oh, too. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, so kind of expanding on the habitat stuff a little bit. We you mentioned oak hammocks and stuff, and we can talk a little more generally than uh than just you know big cypress or whatever sure uh, sure, sure. There, there are there's a few uh opportunities that you can hunt them over the counter without drawing above that i can't remember there's a list somewhere out there that i found south that, of 70 birds you mean no south zone uh yeah south zone i know there's 
there's like a couple down there, but I'm talking more like Orlando South. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there's a few on here I probably don't want to mention on this podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. I no, really don't. I'm yeah, sorry, don't, but don't, yeah. Don't name drop them. Um, but there are there are some that you can if the guys want to do their homework, do your homework. That's fine. Oh, but yeah. I, you know, uh, there are a few, and some of them I grew up hunting mm-hmm. um, that don't require a quota. One of them is just a three day first three days of season. The other one's first nine days of season. Yeah. And then a lot of them are weekend to weekend to weekend hunts. And, yeah. Um, that's your best bet for getting a quality hunt because now, I don't even know if I want to divulge this to the public, but Florida, like all but nine WMAs are allowing all-day hunting in Florida for Osceola's. Oh, wow. You didn't know that, did you? No, I did not yeah, know that. Now I just probably let that cat out of the bag. But <laughs> they'll figure it out. But, yeah, I mean, so that's these poor turkeys in Florida because everybody and their brother is trying to get down here and kill an Osceola without paying 2500 bucks, And I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. I don't blame them, but it's it's making the daggone residents of Florida really hard to get a daggone WMA permit, I promise you, a quota permit. It's making it tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making it tough. I'm, trying, I'm building up points right yep. now. I I'm got just, one this year myself. Yeah, so now, now I'm wondering if that's going to just be my strategy because I keep <clears throat> trying to make this hunt happen down there over the counter and every year that it doesn't happen i'm like well maybe i'll just hold out and like get one of these really nice wmas and how many points do you have uh three or four. Oh yeah you're, you're ready to go yeah we'll talk offline i might send you the right direction on hey. a good one that you could did you know a good quality hunt i didn't get a bird on but that's the way i'm doing it now i don't even get drawn but if we're lucky the place that we have that i'm not going to mention <laughs> we did two shows on hunt quest on uh this season actually and it's um so far, we will put in for it just that one opening weekend hunt because if you put in four or five others, you may get drawn for it. Then you don't get any points. Yeah. There's a chance you might get something. And um, so we put in for that one hunt. That's all we do as a group. And then we all end up with a preference point. So we've gotten it every other year. For the last four years, we get it. We got it four years ago. We didn't get it. We got it last year. We didn't get it this year. Hopefully with a point next year, we'll get it. But it's, nice. hopefully the word's not getting out too terribly bad about where this place is because it just, it's just crazy. But – I'm not trying to be stingy. I'm pretty open about information, oh, yeah. but I oh mean, yeah, well, it's getting... not it's not just you. It's the other people that hunt those places. Like yeah. we try to not, you know, we'll name drop a place like Big Cypress because it's, it's giant. Yeah, so you're have not fun. Yeah, it's go, not go burning down a spot or anything. No, but, you know, you got to go more, work for those turkeys. Yeah, yeah. the more specialized places we we don't yeah. ever name. Yeah. Um, so in these kind of areas, what kind of areas do you typically find these turkeys hanging out? Like you mentioned oak hammocks. Can you <clears> expand on that a little bit? Um, just giant live oaks, just a grove, if you will. We call them hammocks in Florida of nothing but live oaks. And the, and the shade is cast in such a wide area that like, there's no undergrowth. So they're beautiful and open. And you can see a turkey coming through these things from a hundred yards away and just watching him strut through these big giant oak trees. This is one of the prettiest things you'll ever oh, see. That's awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. And there's acorns left over again. Like I mentioned, could be left over from the fall that they'll come in and scratch and feed for. Um, it's shady and they love that because it get you know, Rarely do we get much cool weather after right now. What do we are they mid February? And we I think I last time I looked at the Florida we- the weather forecast, it was mid eighties for the next ten days already. Oh yeah. So bird turkeys are dark birds, and they they'll get out in that heat, but a lot of times they'll lounge in those hammocks during the day during the heat of the day and get in that shade. Yeah, so. that was going to be my next question. Where do they? You know, you always have on the roost. You'll have that goblin action, and then about eight thirty nine o'clock, it just things kind of settle down a little bit and it seems like everyone's kind of gone their ways it's like where do the turkeys hang out during that kind of of midday period but i mean i think um it just depends on the time of the season and where they are in the breeding cycle i mean you they'll gobble till eight nine o'clock in the morning ten in the morning you might get one to gobble at noon if he's just not with hens and looking for love you know it doesn't there's no 
standard for oh they're just going to quit gobbling at eight o'clock i've had them gobble in 90 degrees in florida gobble their brains out oh yeah um it's not <laughs> they gobble better if it is a little bit cooler in my opinion as a whole they'll okay. you know if they're hot they're hot it ain't going to matter but i think i think a nice 75 80 degree day they'll do a lot better work a lot better mid midday than they would mm-hmm. um when it's 95 degrees which it easily does in florida during yeah. the spring so that's something that you look for is like a little cold front pushing through oh gosh i mean and the irony of it is, after about mid to late late March, I'm out of Florida. So, mm-hmm. so the April hunting can be really good in Florida as they start nesting, but I rarely experience it anymore because I'm out hitting the road, traveling around, hitting other states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, is there anything in particular, like any kind of particular strategy that you really like have had a lot of success with when it comes to turkey hunting? Turkey Osceolas? Yeah, turkey Osceolas. Okay, okay. okay, so. Yeah, it all works everywhere you go. But le- the one thing you'll hear me say over and over again when people talk about less is generally more when the calling aspect. Okay. Mm-hmm. You just, if you watch that newest episode on, um, it's on YouTube on Hunt Quest, my buddy Simon Ellis, no relation. I just got to put that out there. Everybody's like, that's your brother, <laughs> your cousin. No relation, just good friends. Um, he called to that turkey on the roof like three times. And that bird strutted right. This is beautiful hunt, but there's not a lot of calling interaction on that hunt. That is a very quintessential, a typical Osceola. Less is more. They know where you're at, um, and I don't know if it's because the hunting pressure has gotten so bad that mm-hmm. you know. I know coyotes have become an issue with gobbling on the ground, and that's a whole other podcast. How predators have affected our turkey populations and mm-hmm. how the breeding cycle works. But that was a quintessential Osceola hunt. They just he just didn't hardly gobble, and uh, he hardly had to call to him, but he came right in on a string. And uh, so it's not that engaging, fun gobble fest that you like to see sometimes, but it's a good uh, example of what they do and let on the less is more category. Um, mm-hmm. What was the other part of the question? Oh, any other tactics? I find a lot of success in Florida, especially uh, where not the area at the time frame I'm hunting it because it's it's generally already starting to get warm. Is this setting up in those shady places, um, in those places where they're loafing and lounging during midday mm-hmm. and just blind calling? Um, yeah. The older I get, the slower I get. And I'm not completely lazy, but I've just – <laughs> I, and that's a whole – I think we may have talked about this in a podcast on the whole blind calling thing. Oh, yeah. I just got to where I like to back up in a spot where I know I've done my homework and I know there's birds and I'm just killing a lot of turkeys in the last probably 15 years, tons of turkeys, just by setting up and throwing sequences out, little cutting sequences, little plain yelping you know, clucking a purr and scratching the leaves, just like turkeys that are just lounging and doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And that has definitely been very, very successful. Now, if it's a weird thing. If I feel like I can run a gun, they're gobbled well on the roost, they gobbled on the ground into the morning a bit, mm-hmm. then that's when I've always felt like I had a pretty good um, feel for the barometer, if you will, on if I can go run a gun and cover a bunch of ground yeah. and get that needle in a haystack, that one bird that does want to gobble. Um, but I think a lot of the time I've, I've, I can't explain what factors go into identifying it. It's probably just based on roost activity and how much they gobble when they get on the ground. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you know, birds gobble on the roost. They they hit the ground and it's done. That's when I'm just going to like, you know what, I heard the bird over here all within a few hundred yards of me. Um, I'm just going to hold tight and do some light calling and just see what happens because he could breed the hens right off the bat. If it's depending on where they're at in their breeding cycle, he may they may just leave him. You know, he may, there may be no breeding going on. As soon as he figures that out, and you're still over here where he heard you, and you're doing those little sequences, he'll hear that, and he could come in that way. Um, other times, I think what happens is a gobbler is drifting through an area, and he hears you call, and he doesn't gobble. He hears you call, he get, he he turns his head up, peaks his interest a little bit, and you know he, this will cover. 
for him to go from 500 yards, it, it could take 10, 15, 20 minutes. If you call every five minutes or so with a little sequence and he hears it finally, I think it ends up piquing his interest and he'll finally gobble at you. And, yeah. Or he'll start wandering in, and he may just come in quiet. He he hears you, he hears you, he hears you. May not be super fired up, but he's going to come in and take a peek. Who is this girl over here making wrecking all this racket? You know, I'm, oh yeah, she must be hot. So <laughs> that's kind of my theories that I've developed on um, running and gunning being successful. And this is in Florida or any any anywhere else that I've hunted mm-hmm. turkeys for that matter. Yeah, um, the first year that we did this podcast, which is two years ago now, I think we had you and Billy Yargis on. And both of you guys talked about blind calling in almost the exact same way. Right. And I went out and did it that year and killed two of the three turkeys I killed that way that year doing it like that. And you don't have to get hot and sweaty and <laughs> Yeah. I mean, man, it worked like a charm. Oh, yeah. I got up I got up on a hilltop, you know, like hunting ridge country and just get up on a hilltop where mm-hmm. you can't really see off the edge as good and just literally walk around in circles scratching for like five minutes and yep. then sit down and like just stop and just wait. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you hear and Did they, they gobble come. coming in or were they quiet? All of them are quiet. Yeah. Yep. yep. So that's a – but you got to be on high alert. I mean, if oh, you're going to yeah. do it, you can't be – you know, you, you can't be lackadaisical about it. you got to take it – got to – I'm not saying you have to sit stoic and just cut your eyes, but you got to cut your movement down because he could come in quiet. And, and, and leaves are a great – that's wonderful to be in a place to set up. That's something to think about, a leafy place where you can hear them coming, especially oh, yeah. when they come. Florida, you don't have that luxury. <laughs> <laughs> Um, South Carolina and in most places, there are some hardwoods in South Carolina that I hunt. A lot of the places do have leaves, but Florida, very rarely, you're gonna, you're not going to hear them walking. Mm-hmm. We just don't have that luxury. So keep your eyes – stay on high alert when you're yeah. blind calling like that. Just, in fact, the fact that he doesn't come in gobbling. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've taken a lot from you on is uh, – which we'll, we'll get to owl hooting in just a second. But one thing I've taken a lot uh, of information from you on is um, like steering a bird with calls. And, and being deceptive with like like say you don't have a decoy, how you um, basically play with his mind to make him come to you, right? Um, hiding the hen. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's something I think I've uh, coined that that whole oh, yeah. strategy or phrase, based on I don't hunt with decoys, and that's always the way I learned to hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably touched on that story. I used them back in the '90s a time or two, and had two or three of them lock up on them and look at them, and obviously those old feather flecks were pretty rough looking compared to today's decoys, but. <laughs> Um, you know, had, had I had more success, I might still be using them, but up until the point I tried them, I've been turkey hunting for about over a dozen years anyways, and learned to hunt them without them. Yeah. And so you're talking about steering the call. It's a it's wildly successful just by like, even on this microphone, you can probably hear my voice changing right now. It's just amazing. And, and birds know it and they hear it. I mean, I'll literally have a bird coming in and I'll need him to swing left because of cover or there's not a good shot presentation over here. And I'll start calling and kicking the sound to the right side. Just with your hand, right? Just with my hand. Or ultimately, I'll throw the sound behind me if I feel like he's just kind of hanging, he's not wanting to commit. Mm-hmm. I, I'll start throwing the sound behind me like I'm leaving. Yeah. And that's been successful. Um, uh, it's a, it's just a very – people would never believe it, but it's very, very successful in, in leading them, deceptive, deceiving them with sound, mm-hmm. making them sound like that they're a different – position than you're actually setting i'll tell you a freaking awesome demonstration of that is the grand nationals because when you're sitting up there watching people call and y'all are doing your thing you're turning around you're throwing the call back behind the stage you're throwing it right at the audience it's just like holy crap you're standing in the same spot and it's two completely different sounds it is it is and sometimes that can hurt you sometimes that can help you yeah because you you can turn it a certain way up there in that big room and it loses all its resonance and it's like i've always uh, found 
and we've done this because friends and I have gotten out there in front of the where the judges said you can get up there and experiment with that stage and figure out what works for you. And a lot of times you'll throw it one way and it's like it loses all of its life. It's just flat, dead rasp. And then you you but you put it forward or this way or this way, and it and it it's it's a totally different turkey. It has what it needs to have to score. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've kind of figured that stage out. It's been a lot of years. I think yesterday was my I'm in the finals today was my 12th cut in a row and uh, yeah. finished lower than I wanted to yesterday. I've never finished as low as I did in the cut line, but it's just a new game. You just got to get to the dance. After that, it, judges change, and then it could completely flip-flop. So mm-hmm. I've just always been top five-ish, literally, in the last ten probably prelims. And yeah. uh, all of a sudden you fall way low, and it's like, man, it's something going on here. I'm going off on a tangent right here, guys. I told you. <laughs> Is my calling sucking or something or what? So, yeah, what well, that will be happening here in a few hours. Hopefully you get to catch that. But Yeah. Did Jacob just finally got back? Yeah, sorry, I had to go grab some badges and everything. So no worries. No sorry, worries. I had to I had to jump out on uh, on you guys, but no, that's awesome. I'll, I'll tell you one thing: it is impressive to see, especially like yourself, call because I remember I watched you last two years uh, call, but along with just the other guys and, and how much control y'all have call, while calling. You know, I, I'm definitely I'm by far the worst call. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm probably worse than Clay. <laughs> well, yeah. Calling out Clay, but uh, anyway. you hear that bus? Hear that bus? <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, I'm probably worse than Clay. Oh, anyway. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm, anyways, anyways, on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but it's amazing to see someone have so much control on the call and have the confidence to make. I mean, sounds that you know when, when you're looking at it, it's almost effortless. Effortless. Yeah. 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 It's a it, smooth. It's truly. I think what we do with these calls, if you if you put it in perspective and see, and this I hope the listeners don't take this wrong way, how bad a lot of people call. They kill turkeys. You can kill turkeys with crappy calling. I'm not saying that, but is no different than a guy that can play like three chords on a guitar or a guy that's you know Eddie Van Halen, mm-hmm. Joe mm-hmm. Satriani on a guitar. And I think we have taken that to the next level where you can call on demand. And that's what I preach a lot in my apps and my podcasts. We do talk calling is. Understand the language and understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to exploit his mood and change and pique his mood and his interest based on what you're actually saying to him, not just going cut, cut, yelp, yelp, cut, cut, yelp, yelp. You get really excited. You reel it back. You go quiet completely. You're you're capitalizing on his emotion with the language of the wild turkey. That's what people don't get. And if you just study it a little while and then start practicing your callings, your calls like we're talking about, even, even if it's on a pot call or a box, I don't care, a, a tube call, whatever device you choose, be able to do those calls on demand. It didn't have to be Grand National level calling. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It needs to be decent cadence and decent tone. And you're going to be able to up your game and kill more turkeys. And I've been trying to beat in people's brains, and I convince people every season, not that they doubt me as a turkey hunter, but mm-hmm. sometimes I make these things do – they do things they shouldn't have done, these things being the turkeys that they should not have done. And they're like, I've never seen anything like that. He, I caught him through, through a fence last year in Oklahoma – Call once. It took about five minutes of me working him. He finally got through the fence and called him right through the fence. You're not supposed to be able to do that. You can't call him through fences. They always think oh, I'm yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just um, it, it's it's something that I feel like it, it's almost like my crusade mm-hmm. <laughs> to drill into people's brains because the first thing you hear, woodsmanship or calling? Oh, you don't need to call a good kill trip. Well, you know you don't. But to be consistent and be awesome and be able to do it uh, at a level, a higher level, especially with a guy like myself that goes – Dumps, gets dumped off all over the country. I mean, they'll be the only thing I got going for me is those people who go, we, we know there's birds around this area. Mm-hmm. Now, finding them, which we talked about earlier, is a whole other issue. Mm-hmm. You got to work scout time into those kind of trips. I have that luxury, yes. But outside of that, I don't know the lay of the land. 
I like to use Google Maps every now and again, but I don't use it religiously. I just don't. I'm just I just kind of feel it. And if I get a bird hanging up, I might whip out the phone and get on my map. Let's say if there's a creek or a river or a lake that's keeping him from coming in. But ultimately, um, I like to reposition a lot. That's how I avoid that that hang a hung up bird that's out there maybe 150 yards where you can move on him. Mm-hmm. I'll just reposition on him instead of trying to figure out what the obstacle is a lot of times. But anyway. It's just something that I've tried to do, and I preach it and preach it and preach it. And I think it's sunk in a little bit among the masses about guys wanting to step up their game. And, you know, it, the app I have, we can get into that, Turkey Tech. Um, oh, yeah. It, it does all of that. It does all that. And it could take a guy, intermediate guy, and, and teach him better calling. It could take an, an a more advanced turkey hunter and make his calling better. Or what I love to target are kids and people that's never hunted and women with the app because it you can study this thing for a couple of weeks and go through the videos and the instructionals. And you can literally go out into the woods. I've had 100 people, if I've had one, say, I, I had an idea what I needed to do. I went around there for two or three seasons just making noise on a call, and I'd sit down and just really had no clue how to engage the bird. So I didn't mean to wander off about the app. But it's part of that. It's part of the process. And the setup and the woodsmanship is absolutely another crucial part of being successful at this. Setup is one of my big, big things because mm-hmm. if you set up in the wrong spot, he's never going to come to you. I don't care how good you are. Um, so that's another part of it. Other, the other thing is that reading their their language, reading their body language, their their um, their mood, reading the mood. Do I need to call too much? Am I if I calling too much here? Do I need to scale it back? Mm-hmm. And I usually base it on how much he's coming to me, and base that on his um, whether he's hung up or not, and the gobbling frequency. If he's gobbling every breath, you know you shouldn't have to call that much to that turkey. He's already ready to go. You shouldn't yeah. have to keep hammering him. What's going to happen to that bird nine times out of ten is he's going to end up hanging up on you. You know, he's, he's already fired up. Let him – just let him – let curiosity kill that cat. So, yeah. let me get off my soapbox. Y'all go ahead. <laughs> I'm just going to town. Sorry. I mean, I just – yeah. It's well, cool stuff me- to talk you about. You mentioned setup, which I love what you said about calling because I agree. Um, calling isn't everything necessarily being mm-hmm. a great caller, but it's kind of like when you're working on your truck and the amount of tools that you have. Like Absolutely. It's, it's a lot easier if you have – a whole bunch of different tools that you can use for something that might pop up rather than like one like socket wrench set or something. My little stupid analogy has always been how deep is your bag of tricks? Yeah. Like a mag- you're a magician, how deep is that bag of tricks? And it's, the deeper it is and the more tricks you have, the more things that you can put into motion to try to kill that turkey. Mm-hmm. Don't be one-dimensional. And that's that whether that's calling or repositioning or locating or scouting or – uh, understanding the language or what phase of the bird is biologically in the breeding cycle. There's there's a lot to understanding the wild turkey mm-hmm. and putting all that information into your turkey encyclopedia computer in your brain and then 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 regurgitating what has been successful and what worked in that same similar situation when you get out in the woods and you encounter a bird. Oh, I remember like – I mean, it's getting hard as old as I am now. I'm 45 and my memory's just failing me regularly. <laughs> but but it's almost like second nature when you've done it as many times as I have. You, 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 it just becomes second nature. You just know what to do and what to say and how to react to that bird. And not, it's not always right. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that by no means, but you have options. Yeah. You have options. Yeah. Um, uh, man. Oh, set up. Yeah, that's what, set I, up. That's what yeah. I, was I forgot to write it down. I looked at my paper. I was like, oh, I didn't write it. Um, set up. You mentioned set up. Just as a generalization, what is a good setup and what is a bad setup? Well, the first thing is obstructed view. That's the bad setup. Mm-hmm. The second is a place that looks like a turkey probably won't walk through. He probably won't walk through. Mm-hmm. A place you don't want to walk through, he's probably not going to walk through. Now, again, there's always – I always say this. There's always exceptions. I've caught him through crap. I'm like, how did he come? I can't believe he came through that. But why not put the ball in your court, put the odds in your favor by giving him a nice pathway 
on the edge of a field edge or in some hardwoods with a thicket over here and you're on the edge, outer edge of the thicket so he can come through the easy way mm-hmm. um, and just use the terrain to help guide him to you. you know, pinch points almost like deer hunting. I've actually set up between two pieces of water, two ponds, two cypress heads. Now, that's not always that lu- – you don't always have that luxury. But if you can and you can deduce what your, your computer, turkey computer, is going through, man, I could set up here. He can't go anywhere else but come right here. So mm-hmm. that that's always something to do. And, again, I mentioned obstructive view. Be careful where you're set up where you can't see anything to make a shot. You don't want to set up with a 20-yard view. Mm-hmm. You know, use the terrain. And if sometimes you have to, I get that. Again, uh, there's always exceptions to the rules because, it, like Florida, it can be very thick in places. You're just not going to get that lane that you want. If you can, definitely mm-hmm. access that piece of data to, to get that set up where you can see 50 yards. Mm-hmm. And then when you go back to my hide the hen, what I do when I do these setups, what's a perfect setup? It's one that when he steps into view where he should see the hen and he knows he should see the hen, he's in gun range. Game over. And it doesn't make for some of the great – you've watched some of my hunts. A lot of them it's just, boom, there's a turkey. He steps out because, and then yeah. he gets popped. I mean, there, I don't yeah. use decoys. There's not all this love fest going around a flock of decoys. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I just don't – I think people are over that. They're yeah. over it. Yeah. Um, my hunts are a lot of – you'll hear him coming, and all of a sudden, boom, he's in view. Now, I did get some great footage of that PA bird I killed. Mm-hmm. If you watched that hunt earlier, a few weeks back, I mean, mm-hmm. funny story. But he was strutting right there in gun range. We couldn't, I couldn't see his fan, and I could not see his beard. It was just a weird angle, smaller trees in this hardwood. We were up above him, mm-hmm. setting up an elevation. Another good setup if you're in elevation, set up above the turkey or even with the turkey or get on the same ridge of the turkey. But um, at any rate, the turkey went back and forth, and we had – five minutes of this turkey gobbling and answering me and I'm trying to suck him or get him to move right or left and I was trying to I couldn't move moves but I was doing this and that actually worked a little bit and trying to muffle it down just to get him to to reposition finally and then my buddy J.W. Moore is filming this I'm like can you not zoom in and see his beard or see if we just I don't know it was an anomaly I've never seen anything like it where I'm looking at a turkey that long in hardwoods and could not make a, a deduction whether he was a dang yeah. mature bird. Finally, we did. I'm like, oh, he's got a good beer. Pow. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. I mean, it, it, it made for a good show. It really did. Because normally he'd have came up, showed himself, woo, boom, dead bird. Yeah. Five-minute hunt done. Yeah, but it just it worked out good for some good footage. But. And it messes with my emotions when people are doing, the, like, the decoy hunts and they got the, like, turkeys flogging the yeah. decoy. For, I'm like, shoot it. That shoot is, it. like, doing? so 90s, man. You know, <laughs> I, I, it's just not yeah. – I don't think people are into that anymore. I mean, there's I got a lot of these YouTube shows. These guys are self-filming. I, I, I've done a little bit of that, um, but haven't had the success – haven't had to. Usually where I'm going with buddies or stuff, I'm like, just run the camera. We'll get what we can get. I'll work on the field production side of it, and if hopefully we can capture a good hunt. And nine out of ten times we get something. We get something. But um, a lot of the shows now, they're not even kill shots. The, the, the interaction is there. Um the communication part, the calling part is there, and then at some point, you know, they're trying to run barrel cameras and stuff, and it just doesn't doesn't get that B-roll, but people are eating it up, though. They just feel like they're there, they're part of it. It's what they encounter. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying people don't still get out there with the 13 decoys and a pop-up line and have a love fest with the decoys, and the gobbler strut around and strut around, and then they finally shoot it. That's, that, if that's the way you want to do it, that's fine. That's just not what I'm, I'm about that's not the romance of turkey hunting for me the romance is calling him and communicating in with him now i will do what i need to do to kill one if it gets down to the the, the wire but I, I lean on calling mm-hmm. and most and then next would be your obviously your woodsmanship skills and and never decoys and blinds and all that stuff it's fanning that's a whole nother reaping that's just not 
you know, whatever, just don't get shot. That's, that's, that's about all I can tell you. If that's your thing, then do it. You know, I'm not, I'm not faulting anybody. It's not my deal. It's not my game. Mm. Well, I got a question. Uh, so we kind of talked about steps, and I think that was a really good point of like, you know, setting up in a position where you truly have the advantage. Absolutely. You know, don't don't hurt handcuff yourself. yourself. Yeah, don't yeah. handcuff yourself by putting yourself in a situation where either it's too thick, where like if you have to get that bird within like, like you said, twenty five yards, twenty yards. Right. Uh, which, if you're not the greatest caller, that might be kind of difficult for you. Might, might be. Um, and also, you know, set up in a, in a position where, you know, I've had situations where you had that bird hang up at a, at a pretty far distance, and you're trying to think in the back of your head, how can I get that bird to get closer? Mm-hmm. So let me at, tell you this. at a, From, you know, I'm going to say I'm, I'm a newbie turkey hunter. been hunting for a few years. But, like, you know, if you're not the, the greatest caller, what is something that you can learn to kind of help draw that bird in if you can visually see him, but he's at, you know, 80, 90, 100 yards, whether it's open fields, open hardwoods, whatever it is, what can you do to help bring him in even closer? Um, two parts to that. The, the first thing is if you can move, it's obviously advantageous to reposition, crawl, crawl back, and don't say a word. That way if he starts to come in, you already he's going to come into where that spot he last heard you, and then he could very well be right there in gun range where he needed to be. Or just go silent and period. Just, just go silent. Don't say another word. The other part of that is if he can see you can't move, then, I mean – I'm gonna cluck and purr. I'm gonna I'm gonna do whines and soft yelps and just try to get his interest in his. I'm trying to get him fired up, but by going coy and shy. You probably yelped and cut a little bit to get this bird to this point. Mm-hmm. Then he gets out there and he's gonna do his thing and show off and say you need to come to me. And then you scale that calling way down. And then you just it's like a girl that looks at you and she's she's like open to going out on a hot date with you and then all of a sudden she's like yeah you know and then she won't answer her text and she won't talk <laughs> to you she starts ignoring you and just kind of going about her life and then and that's kind of what i equate that to whenever you're actually getting real soft after you've got him excited in a breeding frenzy then you're just like yeah and you're doing nothing and you're just like What's rolling wrong? What That's did I do? That's pretty dang good for not having I a mouth do, call in. I can run a, I can do a little mouth natural voice stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, but um, uh, I've been handcuffed a time or two to oh, yeah. have to, you know, just do what I was doing. But, yeah, so you're just um, you're just uh, capitalizing on his mood. So I'm going to go quiet. I'm going to cluck and purr, mm-hmm. be very, very coy, very subdued in my calling. If you can move, try re- maybe just reposition. I said try moving back and shutting up. Shutting up. Um, if you're running in tandem, send your buddy back behind you. This is all based on, like I told you, can he see you? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not going to just – you don't want to bump the bird. Yeah. But if it's a position where you can and you're, and you're hunting with your buddy, even the camera guy whatever, just send him back behind you 50 yards and have that guy yelp behind you. You don't ever say a word. That could cause him to come in that last little bit and get him in gun range. But what you said on that first part of that is great about the hide the hen that we mentioned about 20 minutes ago, something I think I've came up with without hunting with decoys, and that's – you can you just try not to handcuff yourself mm-hmm. too much um, because if you can or can't, the bird could hang up at 40 and you only have a visibility of 30, then you're like, I've done it. I did it in, on WMA a season ago in Central Florida, not naming names. You know how that rolls, people. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we didn't know. That I, I've hunted it and killed birds uh, on the place, but we had not. I don't know every nook and cranny of this place. So we found an opening, just like I talked about in Florida. You're looking for openings a lot of times because the woods tend to be thicker in places. And um, this bird started hammering, started coming, skirted us at minimum 40 yards, maximum, I'm sorry, 40 yards in gun range, spitting and drumming, and gobbled right by us and left. 
after the bird drifted off and we couldn't do anything, we tried to reposition everything, I said, I got to see what we just missed. And literally, we were in the dark walking through the woods, so you, you just can't see exactly what the train was. And we walked like 20 yards out of this opening into what looks like to be really thick, and it wasn't as thick as we thought, and it opened into the whole cypress head. It was dry, and that gobbler just walked right through that cypress head in the wide. I say wide open. I mean, could have shot him 50 times if we just walked 20 yards through that little opening and got to a better spot. So that's what I was I was saying about hiding the hen. We tried to capitalize on that little opening. Unfortunately, that little opening wasn't all that was there, which goes back to scouting and, which, and trying to understand and, and know the terrain, and that can that can handcuff you. And, the, and it did for us just because we were ignorant. We didn't know. Yeah. Oh my it gosh, sucked. that's yeah. happened to me before. Yeah, that hurts. Too. It hurts bad. So hurts I've, bad. I've got a question because I know this is going to come up with. I think most of the guys we're going to interview uh, today, uh, a lot of people have the question. And Andrew put out like, what was like something that you know you wish you could be better at or whatever that would help you you know kill more turkeys. And a lot of guys are like talking about like patience. Like patience hurts a lot of guys uh, being in situations when they when the bird goes quiet. Absolutely. Five minutes, five ten minutes later, they get up and they're walking off. And Clay's they, over they, here shaking his head. Yeah, well, he I know he told me last night like he had it happen to him last year. I've done it multiple times, so it's like, what is your thoughts on patience? You know, I will sit for. I'm just I'm an old tortoise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a giant tortoise from the Galapagos Islands, man, and I just and it's not that I'm you know completely out of shape or anything. It's just I've always I learned really really young when I was really young. And that's how I killed a lot of turkeys in the very hunted public, hard hunted public land in Florida. That's where I grew up hunting. Mm -hmm. Made me the turkey hunter I am today. But um, I would just be so. I would sit. Some mornings I would never move. I would sit. Take me a pack of crackers and a bottle of water, and I would sit in that spot. And you'd have guys. You'd hear them throughout the morning walking around you yelping, and then and then out of the blue, you're that you, a bird would hammer right on top of you. And then I'd end up harvesting a bird at 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And the guys had filtered back out of the woods, and then they kind of felt they could – it's like they have a, a seventh, sixth or seventh sense where they just kind of – the light switch will go back on. They, they feel the pressure. They're not being in contact. And they kind of start resuming their normal activities. And that's all because I was just – I just learned at a really, really young age to be patient. I don't, I don't know why that was. I mean, because when I squirrel hunted, that was the first thing I ever learned to do was hunt squirrels. Mm -hmm. And I love that with squirrels because you can sit for, you know, you come in, they'll go they'll go still on you. But if you sit for 10, 15 minutes, usually they'll start jumping around again. Their eyesight is actually horrible, squirrels are. Um, and, I mean, but that I don't know that that's have anything to do with being able to sit all morning long like that. I don't I don't know. I just um, always was uh, intrigued with the woods and just loved nature and looking at it and smelling it. And it, maybe I'm an anomaly, you know what I mean? I'm different than most. But, yes, the patience thing. How many times have people do that every season and bump turkeys? They probably didn't even know it was there, too. That's another thing to consider. Even if you stop gobbling, you just – and I know I have buddies that I have to tie to the tree. We're going to sit our butts right here, and you're going <laughs> to shut up, and we're going to kill this turkey. They want to get up. we got to we got to move it. No, 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 relax. Just right. People get wound up. You know, they get all fired up, and then the bird quits gobbling. I'm like, what? And, you know, you, you've heard this. Everybody could that's hunted longer than a minute could be told, what do you do when he's coming and he shuts up? What's happening? What do you do? What you said earlier, he shuts his goblin down. Yeah. Very good chance he's going to come in super quiet. And, mm -hmm. again, goes back to blind setups as well. You, you just have to be looking yeah. and don't get busted moving too much in that type of situation. So if you get one to shut down, and I'll sit there. Oh, my gosh, man. I mean, I'm talking about sitting all day and not even hearing a bird gobble. If I've got one coming in, I'll, I mean, I'll give him at least an hour before I even think about trying to figure out what he's done. 
Um, sometimes they lose interest and they drift off. Sometimes a hen intercepted you. You didn't know it, and Tim mm-hmm. takes him off. Sometimes he's just methodically working his way to you slowly but oh, surely. Yeah. And especially Osceola's and Easterns, especially. Mm-hmm. Miriam's and Rio's, not so much. I mean, I, they just they are so much more vocal. That, I love hunting Miriam's and Rio's. And I don't, I, a lot of people say they're so easy. I think that's just a culmination of a lot of places with high turkey populations where they just gobble so well, and there's so many of them. They just run you over for a call. They're, they're all looking for love in the wrong places. And I think that's where they got the moniker that they're just the dumbest birds, the western birds. But, man, I, I mean, I've hunted a lot of public ground, and they've acted just like Easterns and Osceola's. They've hung up. They've came, a few of them came in quiet. Not as common as the Easterns and Osceola's for the coming in quiet, but um, they've never been pushovers that everybody seems to deem them. I think they're hunting big Indian reservations and, and outfitters that are just loaded with birds, and it's a target-rich environment. You're just gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna get the, you're gonna call yeah. one in. An idiot can, could call one in. With a blade of grass. No, I'm not calling any names here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But, he, um, he missed two of them in three hours last year. Yeah, don't, don't uh, talk about that. Oh, know. yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to the uh, missing and the uh, optics <laughs> and patterning turkey guns. <laughs> no, well, that's one thing. So I am definitely looking to fix my uh, – actually go to a, a optic for this year because I get I – get, he I've doesn't never, look down the barrel. No, yes, yeah, I, I, well, it's a target panic. I mean, you're literally it's it's a bird. You're getting so fired, you get your head off the gun, you, and it's, you, you're not you're looking at the bird. You're looking at the bird, and not you're, this like yes, yes, and it's just like you uh, screw up. My, I'm glad my wife like rarely listens to me on podcasts, so I'm going to throw her under the bus. <laughs> 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 she, she she's she's always goes with me a, a little yeah. bit here and there. It's she's never got it. She like she loves the deer hunt. She'll yeah. she'll sit in a deer stand all day, but the turkey thing just. So she missed. We've been married 14 years. Next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, 14 years, and uh, I think she's she hunted again a time or two for a while up until her she finally killed a bird. But let me get the the long story short. Missed four, I think, through the years, and it's clear she has a Beretta um, 390A, I believe mm-hmm. it is, and you've got to get down on a Beretta. You really got to get down on, on that receiver and get down that vent rib. And she's doing this. Yep. And what do you do? You shoot over their heads. I remember one time I was I have footage of it somewhere on tape. It was this was ten years ago. We were still filming on tape, mm-hmm. and uh, my buddy John Applewhite was filming it. Called this bird on public ground, struck him, came in on a on a string, act like a two year old. We were thrilled, and I'm like, there he is, killing. Boom! She's shooting the top side of the trees like a foot and a half. The turkey's like. <laughs> What's going on? He's looking around, <laughs> looking up at the trees falling out of the sky. Didn't was so in love, and he didn't even pay attention to the gunshot, which they do sometimes. Yeah. And, and literally, the turkey is looking up. Where are these limbs coming from? What's it? <laughs> so she emptied the gun, emptied the gun, and then I find I'm like, well, get another shell. I don't have any shells. So I'm trying to, and the bird's still looking around like nothing's wrong. He's just like, well, what's all this racket? I don't know. <laughs> finally, got another shell in it, and then I think she missed a fourth time, and he just finally walked off. He didn't even run off. Never even like freaked out and spooked. He's like, where's this dang hen, man? Yeah, what's <laughs> up with this? So, long story. Still, I'm trying to shorten it down. Went to Georgia. It's been four seasons ago. I might just shoot my gun. I, my 1300. It's got a, a limb saver recoil pad. Shooting TSS. Shooting Apex yep. TSS. Um, well, these were. This was actually before the advent of Apex. It was mm-hmm. one of the team members we have on in our group. Robert McCormick, one of our R&D guys, oh, yeah. was loading my stuff. So, anyways, um, I said just put the red dot. That was me. It's all good. Okay, gotcha. Put the red dot on his head, squeeze the trigger. You don't have to be on the stock. You don't have to. And that's why I I really advocate these things to people a lot because it it just simplifies the fact that you don't have to get a cheek stock weld. Yep. So outside of that, a lot of these loads, we can get on my Apex kick. I'm pro staff manager for Apex, and I love my products that I back and support and use in the field. And 
boy, that's a whole nother. I'd love to get into a podcast someday about the effective range of a shotgun and how society is, you know, with the, with the advent of technology is some people are absolutely appalled by the fact you can kill them a lot further than you could because of the magical 40-yard deal, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> All that said, where was the, we were talking about Kim killing a turkey finally, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we the oh, sight. the red dot. I'm yeah. sorry, the optics. So the, the red dot with this two MOA um, yep. dots are allowing for a very si- fine sight picture. Mm-hmm. And since we can shoot them a little bit further than we used to could, you're not going to shoot. It's, it's hard to shoot one at, at 50. Say so you're going to do it with that bead. It covers the whole turkey up. Oh, it's dude. so hard to yeah. be precise. So not only does it do well for you if he's really close, as far as the you know the pattern being hot, uh, twenty yards or hotter, you know it, it does great when he's out there a little further. You can put it right on the eyeball wherever you sight that gun in to center the pattern, mm-hmm. and you have a very precise aiming point. And she put the bird, caught in a bird in Georgia, put the red dot, boom, turkey flops, uh, game over. She's like, okay, I'm done with this now, <laughs> and that was that. And she's like, what's there? What is there? Finally, okay. But that's why I highly recommend optics for anybody i just and i say optics this is just a pointing this is a sighting system this isn't magnification yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think it's huge that that was the this has been the issue with me for the last few years is like and i i know like i tell myself get down the gun what the problem is like last year in oklahoma both birds were so i'm, I'm shooting a stoger uh, 30 20 20 mm-hmm. gauge with the indian creek 555 up front uh with the uh uh apex gt20 uh, gt20s yep. It, awesome pattern, dude. It's ridiculous, and it's like I'm, I'm like completely confident. Like these birds, oh, like, like they don't 50, have a chance. Yards. I'm like, but the problem is, I come up and that freaking dot, the, the the front, the the front bead is it's like giant. as big as the bird, and I'm uh, like, there you go. Your bead is bigger than like a Normal. regular shotgun. Yeah. Yep. So I, I highly recommend the yeah. True Glow True Tech it Micro. It's sweet. Oh, you got I, it. No, I haven't got it. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy one. Those are they look sweet because they it, came out last year, right? Yeah, I think about a year ago. Yeah, two year or two. But uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. Yeah. It's auto shut off, ten brightness settings. Um, it, it's just it's it's so small and compact. I've run a I've been running optics now for probably twelve years. When I finally, because what I was finding is uh, a lot of the different choke tubes I was running early in the game, mm-hmm. when they really started getting popular with these high end loads and everything, was you would get them, they would not center, shoot center. So you had to adjust the point of impact yeah. with something. Mm-hmm. And I went through the whole True Glow system with the three dots that yeah. had to adjust the ele- elevation and windage, but mm-hmm. I missed some turkeys with those things. I think I would either show too much front side or too little, mm-hmm. usually too much, and I was shooting high. Yep. Um, so I was like, man, I, I had one season. I think I missed three birds in one season. I'm like, I, I never, I, I very rarely missed with just a bead before I started doing that. I, I got to do something different. And it was a minute after that, I go, I'm going to try one of these red dots everybody started to talk about about 12, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. Well, I, I remember how bad, um, you know, people, even to this day, still kind of talk bad about, you know, someone that uses a red dot, which I don't think it's not as bad today as it was you know five six seven eight years ago mm-hmm. i was like you can't shoot with a bead what are you doing and it's like but you sit down with guys that have truly used it and it's like well i'm i'm more efficient and it's taking less stress away from me especially whether you're having a kid with you or someone else is newer staying down the gun they can literally just put that put that let's pin. check our egos out the door people yeah use what works yep, yep. Uh, you know i mean give me a break it, well that's a whole nother podcast yeah. i'm horrible about that but about just ethics so. and what people are doing to fellow hunters on social media and the bashing and if it's not my way it's the wrong way mm-hmm. oh, i'm about to say a bad word on this <laughs> um it's it's ridiculous just yeah. embrace each other follow the laws don't be a don't be a poacher i got no yeah. use for that okay F- but follow bag limits baiting is horrible mm-hmm. i mean really what fun is that um i'm not saying i'm baiting for turkeys yeah 
you know, deer will eat corn piles, and that's fine. If it's legal, then that's fine. Turkeys are going to always be on a corn pile. If, they put, if you throw corn, a daggone turkey is going to find it, and he's going to sit on it, he's going to eat every piece of it he can. Yep. Um, I think deer, especially with multiple food sources, deer are a lot different. You, yeah, you can people shoot them over corn piles where it's legal every season, but um, to each his own. Mm-hmm. Follow the game laws, is all I'm saying. Yep. I don't want to get into a whole thing where people are getting crossways about my opinions on baiting and everything. I'm just saying follow your game laws and just be an ethical sportsman. You know, that's all you can ask for. Well, awesome. Well, Andrew, uh, is there anything else you want to kind of cover? Uh, the last thing I want to do is, uh, Scott, I learned like all my pretty much a lot of my turkey hunt or turkey calling on a mouth call from your old YouTube videos from like right. back in the day. I don't know when you published those, About but it was a while eight back. Eight or nine years ago now. Yeah. Yep. So I, that's where I initially got started with a mouth call is watching your stuff. So you're not paying me to say this or anything, but I would definitely go get your app. If cool. I'm a dude out there who is really wanting to get better at turkey calling, get Scott's I've, app, I've Turkey gotta, Tip. I've, I've got to do it this year because, like, I, I, I've I've told Andrew, calling is the one thing. Like, I feel like woodsmanship, like, I, I feel very confident in that, mm-hmm. but it's the calling is, like, where I'm, like, in control, well, it, command yeah, well, of the it, call. It, it feels like because I'm not in control. I mean, no, right. That's what I'm saying. You like, want to be there. Yeah, yeah, you want to be more control. And I feel like you're because I mean I've demoed it and everything, and it, it, it seems fantastic for nobody. Like you said, whether you're a beginner or you're someone that's you know intermediate, intermediate, or even like you know you're trying to fine tune something. If you're going for on mm-hmm. going up on the stage, I feel like that app is going to help somebody. So much more than just going on YouTube and trying to watch some videos and just trying to mimic something off YouTube or something. And, and mm-hmm. Turkey Tech people with, with Scott Ellis is the name of the app. It's on the App Store and on mm-hmm. Google Play. And here's here's the one thing. Turkey hunters are, are egomaniacs, unfortunately. <laughs> I swear, guys. <laughs> we got to check those egos at the door because what it boils down to is a guy goes out to kills two or three turkeys. I, I did it. I mean, I was an expert. <laughs> I mean, and you encounter that a lot. And and I, I think they're, they're almost too proud. Well, I don't need that app to learn how to call a turkey people they're too proud to get to, to try to acquire another piece another tool that will help them and i'm telling you if you want to get better at calling and understanding the language a little more and and i, I we did some updates i'd like to touch on on mm-hmm. the app but and go over it real quick then this is this is going to help you this is not for 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 people that have never hunted but it is for people that have never hunted it's for people that might want to fine-tune even advanced mm-hmm. guys that want to fine-tune and take at more a, even more advanced look at what their calling ability is but the meat and potatoes is the fact that it talks about the call in a, t- in a written tip. It talks about what it is, when turkeys do it, why we should use it. Just in simple, basic paragraph form. Okay, I read this. Okay, uh, they cluck and purr usually when they're contented. They're feeding. It's a communication call when they're close in together working in a flock. I think I can't remember exactly how I worded it. And it's good for this. And I talk, when do you use it? I use it on a bird that's hung up. I use it when I'm simulating um, sequences that are – Set up, blind call setups, mm-hmm. just simulating feeding turkeys that are together in a group. And um, then from there, boom, I've got audio of wild turkeys making the sound. Then I've got audio of me creating the sound on a pot call and on a mouth call to give two different comparisons. Mm-hmm. And then we go into the videos that, that show me or show you how to actually put the striker on the call, where you put the mouth the call in your mouth, where you set your tongue. And then last but not least, it has a recorder on it built in that accesses your mic on your phone and you can record yourself and you can hit play and then hit and then play the the hen and you can blend yourself with the turkey calling or blend yourself with me calling go hey i think i'm really close i'm close enough to that that i'm going to be successful Mm -hmm. now i wanted to talk real quick about the updates we've got an owl hooter update a locator update it has owl hooting and it has crow calling Mm -hmm. and i think we i spoke quickly on that early 
it's another again it's an advanced more advanced stuff and um if I can indulge myself, I don't know if it'll be too loud. No, dude, go oh, for it. Yeah, pull, pull, pull it back. Yeah, right there, it's perfect. So just a quick, just a quick uh, uh, view into the the update. I don't want to give it all away, and then they go, well, I don't need that. But it just goes into more advanced owl hooting. Can get a bird to gobble when he wouldn't normally gobble. So you're going to get your eight note normally, and this is what you learned: who cooks for you, who cooks for you all. There's your basic locator. That oh, is he gobbling? Well, a lot of times that doesn't work. It just it, sometimes it does yeah. fantastically, and other times it doesn't. But what the, the app talks about is more detailed calling, more advanced calling, more aggressive calling. So I'm going to do a little laugh sequence and give you a taste of what this talks about in my update on the app. So you're going to do a laugh sequence and then finish with a single note locator, and then it, a lot of times that'll get one to gobble when that won't. So you're going to and then listen. Just something mm. like that is totally a game changer. He, and it doesn't always work at all, but it, it can work. And mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what we talked about. How deep is that bag of tricks? How many tricks oh, you got yeah. in that bag, magician? So, and then the other part of the update, let me get that back in there, is uh, on crow calling. Um, I also teach the kiki run um, on um, a side cut call and a center cut call. So a ghost cut and then basically a cutter style call. And uh, gobbler and Jake yelping, which is a whole other neat another podcast man there's a lot oh, to be yeah. said about people are starting to grasp now and a lot of it's due it's trickled down from contest calling because it's finally been added to something that we have to do is uh emulating another male turkey that's not goblin but he thinks that it, in their mind they're deducing because of pitch and rhythm that that is probably a jake or a gobbler mm -hmm. coming into his girl you're you're hen yelping he's goblin he may be hung up well you mentioned that earlier yep. i made jake yelp at him as well and that and what i think in my mind, and then I'm trying to deduce what they're thinking, what they're rationalizing is that the there's a Jake slide in the back door yelping coming to this hen mm -hmm. that he's been all fired up about. Yeah. So uh, last but not least, um, there's four hunts on the app. And, okay. and I've taken the hunts and I've chopped them down to the meat and potatoes of it, three, four minutes. And I introduce the clip and talk about what this hunt has in it for you to capitalize on and learn from. And one of the hunts, um, again, my memory is so shady these days. One of them is a Miriam that I called in last year in South Dakota. And it talks about how he was far away when I first engaged him. And then it ended up him being, um, me getting aggressive as he's further away. As he closes, I start scaling the calling back. And that's what you'll see unfold right in front of your eyes. And that's really gonna be great as I introduce these tips to these people, these mm -hmm. clips, and they're able to mm -hmm. see it happening yeah. real time. That's yeah. really going to be, I think, a, a great tool for the uh, for the turkey hunter. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. Awesome. Take it from me as someone who's like scoured the internet for a lot of hours trying to find all the information that you packed into that app. Um, you know, you you can find it, but it's like spread out. It takes right, forever. I right. just how much is the app? Five bucks. Five bucks, dude. Spend <laughs> the five bucks again. I mean, you know, that's Scott a polar... is not paying me to say this. Just get the app. It's Thanks, really cool. Man. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's a polar pop and a pack of crackers at the Circle K. You know, what that's I mean? right. And a hot dog. Five bucks. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. It's a great tool. I promise you, I'm not retiring on this, but it's something that you know. I think the time is worth the money. Money's worth the time. You know, that's to put right. the thing together, and it's it's been a labor of love, and we're trying to get it going and keep it fresh. And like I said, the new updates, and we're going to try to roll those out more and more. I think it keeps it current. Yeah. Well, Scott, man, it's been great. We appreciate you coming on again, and I uh, hope you uh, knock down some Osceola's in like two weeks. I uh, hope Jake does. Yep, I'm yeah. Not, yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to uh, to just standing on a on a edge of a cypress swamp in Central Florida and doing the, some of that out and here one hand. I can't wait. I mean, it's always the greatest time of the year.
you guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we've went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year. And guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.